Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is uh, something that happened right after Easter Sunday. We took a picture of our Easter services and uh, put it on Facebook and just said, we're here celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And someone responded on Facebook and said this, it looks like a bunch of people playing church to me. So, being your shepherd, <laughs> and the personality that I have, normally I never respond to those because, you know, we all get cheap shots, but uh, this is what I responded back. Uh, this is Pastor Mike. I usually don't reply to comments like yours, but though I would like to share these things. Yes, we gather today to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. However, during the rest of the year, we feed the poor in our area, send medical supplies and doctors and nurses to places like Haiti and Mexico. We support missionaries around the world, help people young and old alike to overcome the addiction of drugs and alcohol by funding their treatment and giving them support. Last Tuesday, we partnered with our community to help serve the widows in our county. In February, we helped fund the orphans in Africa. Several homes have been built in Mexico for families that live next to a garbage dump. Next month, we'll be sending 100 Africans for higher education by funding their tuition. Several fresh water wells have been drilled for villages by these people you're insinuating playing church in a third world country. And so anyway, I went on to respond to that. But sometimes what we see on the outside is not really the whole truth. And so things that you see and things that I see and things that we respond to sometimes become a cheap shot. They, they happen all the time in the political arena. Let, let me give you a few that uh, you may not know. Former President Harry Truman made this comment about General Dwight Eisenhower when Eisenhower was running for president. And Truman said, the, the general doesn't know any more about politics than a pig knows about Sunday. Boy, that's a dig, isn't it? 19th century, it was brutal. Martin Van Buren was accusing of wearing women's corsets by Davy Crockett. <laughs> James Buchanan had a medical condition that caused his head to tilt to the left, and they accused him for unsuccessfully trying to hang himself. They said Abraham Lincoln had stinky feet. Well, if that disqualifies you, let's just get rid of all of them, right? One of the dirtiest campaigns in American history was Herbert Hoover versus Al Smith in 1928. Al Smith was a Catholic, and he was the first Catholic candidate to run for president, and he was governor of New York. So Republicans spread a lot of handbills throughout the South and the West, claiming that the Holland Tunnel that was built in 1928 really didn't go to New Jersey. It actually went 3,500 miles to the Vatican so Al Smith and the Pope could convene together. I'm not making this stuff up. I mean, these, these are horrible things. These are cheap shots. Well, what is a cheap shot? It's an aggressive, malicious remark directed at someone, an unfair verbal attack, a dig, an unfair insult, a shove, a tackle, an unnecessary violence, a mean action directed at a person, organization, a race, a group of people. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? Wrong. I mean, who wrote that? We need to give them a checkup from the neck up because words do hurt us. Words do hurt. If you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to address some things here that the Apostle Paul addresses with the church. Now, 
Paul is writing in verse 29, he says, do not let any unwholesome talk, if you have a King James Version, it says corrupt communication come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander with every other form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. How many of you are glad that God has forgiven you? Now, we have all been guilty of a cheap shot. Not only receiving one, but we've all been guilty of giving one. Can I hear an amen? Now, if you did not amen, you cheap shotted me. Verse 29, he says, unwholesome talk versus words that build up, benefit people, encourage people as opposing to tearing them down. Now the Greek word Paul uses here is the word sepros, which means rotten, putrid, corrupt, bad quality, unfit, and worthless. And it's interesting to me, listen up, that it's the same word Jesus uses when he says a good tree brings forth good uh, fruit and a bad tree brings what kind of fruit? bad fruit. It's the same word he uses in the Gospels. Now, he's saying that there are words that are just putrid words. There are words that are unnecessary, they're hurtful, they're words that we should not be speaking because they tear people down and they don't build them up. And every person here has had some of those directed to them. Now, let's go on a journey this morning. How many of you love me? That's not enough. How many of you love me? How many of you will vow to love me after this is over? Okay, I'm about 50-50 here. Some of the cheap shots that we use very commonly come in marriage. So we have to be careful that in marriage we don't cheap shot each other. So I want to give you just a few cheap shots. And, And some of them are words that we should not be using like you never are you always. You never, you always. When we use those terms and we constantly use those terms, you know what we're doing? We're accusing them of the past mistakes, the present mistakes, and all mistakes in the future. You always. You never. So what does it do? It really causes some issues in the relationship. So that's a cheap shot. Here's the second one. You're being ridiculous. I see elbows flying around here. Hold hold on. You're being ridiculous. You know what that does? That discounts the other person's opinion. You're dismissing their feelings and their emotions. You're refusing to see their perspective even though you don't think it's important. How many of you know when we get together we become one flesh and we should be very concerned about each other's issues and feelings and emotions and perspectives. You're just being ridiculous, Carrie. <laughs> Cheap shotter. Here's the third one. We need to eliminate the D word. You know what the D word is? It's divorce. You, you don't want to throw around divorce when you have an argument, disagreement, or failure. You know what that does? It weakens the relationship immediately. We're trying to fix this, not look for an exit. So you and I, in our relationship, should be saying, what can I do to foster 
this thing to get resolved? How do I fix this? How do we reconcile this? As soon as you throw the D word in there, maybe we've all been guilty of this, it creates a huge problem. You see, commitment creates intimacy and intimacy creates commitment. So the more commitment we have, the better our relationship. And if I constantly throw out the D word, then I'm sabotaging that correction and that commitment. And I need more of a commitment, not less of a commitment. And especially in a crisis, I need more, not less. Because when I want to use that or you want to use that, that's when we're under the gun, we are in a challenge, we're in a crisis, and we need to make sure we're looking to fix it, not looking for the exit. Now, that being said, you know what marriage is? It's two imperfect people trying to blend their life together. You do know we're coming together. We become one flesh. Someone said after the honeymoon you figure out whose flesh you're going to be. But I don't know about that. But I'm saying that we are making a commitment here to go forward. We're not perfect. We're imperfected people. But we're moving toward perfection. Can I hear an amen? And there are going to be times, and, and I know this, and I'm not dismissing this for you, when it is a unilateral issue where you're trying to fix it someone else is not and they breach the relationship they breach the intimacy and sometimes you have to do what you got to do but folks that's a cheap shot if I'm always throwing out the D word now here's number four I don't need to tell you where I'm going I don't need to tell you everything I do cheap shot now I'm not saying that you're the KGB or you're in the CIA and we don't have to wiretap you or put a bug in your car but out of mutual respect we need to answer that question okay y'all are being so quiet I'm gonna preach to this group right over here <laughs> out of mutual respect we don't need to cheap shot each other with some of this stuff that goes on in our relationships so do we owe an answer when we're asked this? And the answer is yes. Being transparent, being honest, being truthful is something that never, ever goes out of style. Here's another cheap shot. Why can't you be like, oh yeah, that's going to help your marriage. That'll help you. How's that working for you? Why can't you be like? Now, Comparing your spouse to someone else is a low blow. It will never foster a good relationship. Now, I want to read something that I brought this morning. This is actually a letter that a woman writes, and uh, it goes like this. I really like some advice. My husband and I have been married almost six years, and I have a four-year-old daughter. We had an amazing relationship when we first got together, very blissful, easy, happy. When we got married, it was only three months after we started dating, although we had known each other for a long time before that point. I hear people say that their spouses change after they get married, but I never believed that. I think people just didn't want to see the problem. But in my case, it seemed like he did change after we got married. He was sweet and kind as he could be, but as soon as he had the ring on my finger, he would say some of the cruelest things. What was confusing was that the things he said were never in anger or during fights. He would just say them to me in the normal course of conversation. For an example, 
once I was getting out of the shower and as I walked through our bedroom naked, he said, wow, look at you. You look almost good as, and he referred to an old girlfriend. You look almost good as. Or he would say that although I was thin, I wasn't toned enough. He said I was the least attractive girl that he had ever dated, but he married me because he loved me. When talking about past relationships, he always compared me negatively to them in every way. Intellect, intelligence, looks, ambition, you name it, I never measured up. In my own defense, I know that I'm more highly educated than anyone he's ever been with before. Yeah, I bet so. Uh, it doesn't say that. I, I added that, okay? And while he's dated some beautiful women, I'm not exactly a dog. I'm 5'6", weigh 105 pounds. I, I'm not qualifying as overweight. I'm attractive. I did modeling. I put myself through a top 10 university on scholarships and hard work. I own my own successful company and business, so I consider myself to be a catch to anyone, and my husband is a match for me on every one of these levels. I know it sounds crazy, but I never called him on any of it until six months into our marriage. Like I said, I actually believed he was just telling me how he really felt because nothing was ever said in a mean way or in anger. I didn't think he was saying what he said because he felt in any way inferior to me. So when I finally told him how much his words had hurt me, his response was not to apologize, but just get over it. I need something from him to get over the pain he caused. In addition to the I'm sorry's, I want him to be more vocal about what he likes about me. I'm not talking a weird constant litany of everything great about me. I just need to know what it is that drew him to me. Doesn't sound like much, right? Help me out. Any ideas on why he would have such nasty things said to me early on? Why would he find it so difficult to give me just what I asked for. Can you feel her pain there? I mean, this guy's cheap-shotting her over and over and over again. Hey, just get over it. You see, in our relationships, in every relationship, we have a tendency sometimes to categorize people, and sometimes people do this. To make them look better, they got to make you look worse. And it happens in every arena. It happens in careers and work and marriages and family. It can even happen in the kingdom of God, can it? So we have to be careful that we don't find these cheap shots. Let me read you a verse. Proverbs 31.9, Solomon, who's a very wise man, he says, Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. So he says, Open your mouth and judge righteously. What we don't want to do is make judgments about people when we don't know the whole story. And we do that very often. We make a judgment about someone and we don't know the whole story. The higher you go up in leadership, if you're a lawyer, a doctor, a mom, a dad, if you're a coach, a teacher, an administrator, if you're the city manager, if you're the mayor, if you're a lawyer, guess what people will do? They will automatically lump you up and you are in a position for people to take a cheap shot at you. I deserve a better amen than that. You know, we're getting ready for this, uh, this series. Matter of fact, Waylon knows this. We actually started at the first 
of uh, September with it, but we made the decision back in August. And so we wanted to close out the series with this sermon on cheap shots because this is exactly what is tearing the fabric of America apart right now. We're categorizing people. All cops aren't bad. Are there some bad cops? Absolutely. So let's not lump up every police officer, every correctional officer, every law enforcement person as a horrible person. We know they're bad people. Do you realize that all teachers aren't bad? All administrators aren't bad? All blondes aren't dumb? I mean, I like the story about the blonde who went to NASA and she's in training. And they said, why are you here? She says, I want to be the first woman on the sun. <laughs> what? Yeah, you can't go to the sun. Sure I can. It's hot. You'll burn up. She said, I'm not going during the day. That's a cheap shot, right? But, but we do that, don't we? I mean, blondes are dumb. Preachers' kids are mean. Teachers' kids are dumb. My mother was a teacher for 30 years, and I'm a preacher, so I have mean, dumb kids. <laughs> but you see how that happens? You know, in this service, in the early service, we had lawyers here. You know what you call lawyers that are chained at the bottom of the sea? Good start. <laughs> My son's a lawyer, okay? Just take a chill pill. What happens? We lump lawyers together. We lump doctors together. We lump preachers together. Matter of fact, this is so timely. And, and the staff, part of the staff knows this. I got a letter this week. Um, and sometimes I get several letters uh, that are written in crayon. And uh, no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but kind of, sort of. And they're, they're not signed. And they have no return address. And I got one this week from a real Christian instructing me to be a real Christian. That for me to be a real Christian, all I had to do was watch one of the TV preachers on television and I could become a real preacher and a real Christian. Now, I could take a cheap shot here and I want... But the one that they want me to watch has had so many issues in the past that they probably don't know that I haven't had. So God help me to be a real Christian. Listen, the great spiritual leader Don Meredith said this. The higher you go up the flagpole, the more people see your rear end. You set yourself up. If you're a coach, if you're a teacher, if you're a mom, if you're a dad, if you're a politician, if you're a lawyer, it, it makes really no difference what you are. As you lead, as you grow, this is what happens to you. You set yourself up for somebody to take a cheap shot at you. And if you and I don't watch it, we'll start taking a cheap shot at other people. So we have to be careful. Not all millennials are lazy. All white people aren't racist. All black people aren't bad. 
Correct? I'll tell you what. I've got some real good friends right here and right there. Jack's never been a slave and I've never been a slave owner. But it's not that easy. Generationally, there have been challenges and setbacks that I will never, ever, ever identify with. Never. And maybe you've had challenges and setbacks that I may never, ever identify with. I can't dismiss it. I can't fix it. I can acknowledge it. And I can also be careful I don't take a cheap shot. And Jack can make sure he didn't make a cheap shot toward me. Let me tell you something. One sixteenth of the thickness of your skin does not identify you. Nor does it identify with me. But in this kingdom, the blood that Jack has and the blood that I have and the blood that Roderick has and the blood that you have, let me tell you, we are covered by the blood of Jesus. And we identify with that. And we have to understand that because if we don't watch it, we will, we will lump people up in the same category and say all of these are bad and these are bad and these are bad and these are bad. Folks, we all have issues. Every race, every culture, every group has issues. So don't categorize everyone in that group. Can I hear an amen? amen. All Christians aren't homophobic. Many years ago, and some of you will know this very, very clearly, one of the men in our church, and I, I kind of knew him, uh, he was older than me, um, but I, I've known him for years and years and years. He was dying with AIDS. And he came to me, and he and I prayed together, and, and we, 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 we were friends. And he said, Mike, when I die, I want you to do my funeral. And to my knowledge, it was the first AIDS death in our county that I knew of. And so when I did his funeral, I stood up there to do the funeral, and I looked out, and I, I literally counted three or four pastors that were in that group that day, and I don't think they were there for the funeral. I think they were there to see what I was going to say. And I can remember very vividly what I preached on in his funeral, the value of a person. Folks, we can love people, and we can care for people, and not love their sin. And there's only one unforgivable sin, and that's not it. So we want to love people, and we want to reach people, and we want to embrace them and care for them and show some type of real affection as far as kingdom-minded affection to them. And we can do that without embracing the sin. Because if we're going to reach a world out there, we've got to do that. And if we don't, we're dismissing that to say, well, you know, that one's worse than that one, that one's worse than that one. And when I was in college, and that was back in the Stone Age, you know, we would, we would make fun of the druggies. Now, we were the alcoholics, but we were making fun of the druggies. <laughs> How smart's that? So uh, that's the bad group. Well, your group's not any better. 
If we don't watch it, we'll take these cheap shots and it will never, ever, ever be what God wants us to be. Can I hear an amen? amen. You know, uh, Martin Luther King said, we may have all come over on diff different ships, but we're all in the same boat right now. There are things going on in our country that are very divisive. We, we see it in the streets, we see it in sports, we see it uh, sometimes in schools, we, we see it in every arena. And, and here's the thing, we don't need that in the church. The foot of the cross makes the ground level. There is no bond, there is no free, there is no black, there is no white. There is no Hispanic, there is no Native American. We're just believers. Most of you know, Carrie and I left uh, about two weeks ago. We took about five days off. We went to Santa Fe, New Mexico. We left on Wednesday afternoon. Carrie got off work. We drove to Amarillo, spent the night, drove to Santa Fe. And Santa Fe has a festival. It's actually called the Festival. And it's the oldest, longest-running festival in the United States. The Spaniards came in that area and settled Santa Fe in the 1600s. So this festival has been going for 300 and something years. So we were there for the weekend of the festival, and there was a lot of protests, and there was a lot of uh, things going on there. They had barricades up. There was a huge police presence there. And this is what they're protesting, that the Spaniards had come in from Mexico and taken the land from the Pueblo Indians because, you know, you've got Taos Pueblo and, and all these areas up here and a huge Native American population. So they're protesting against the Hispanics and the Spaniards. So Carrie and I are there, they got the bullhorns, they got the mask on, and you know, the police are there, they got them cordoned off, they arrest several of them, and so the Native Americans, they're protesting against the Hispanics and, and the, uh, the Spaniards, and I looked at Carrie and I said, hey, we're free today. <laughs> Us white guys, we're getting a pass today. <laughs> now here's the point. There's always somebody protesting this or that or whatever. And, uh, you know, sometimes we fall into that. If we don't watch it, we'll get embroiled in that. And then we'll think everybody's like that. And that's not true. It's not true. All cops aren't bad. Some of them are. All white people aren't racist. Some of them are. All black people aren't bad. Some of them are. All preachers aren't in it for the money. Some of them are. <laughs> All blondes aren't dumb. All preacher's kids aren't mean. All teacher's kids aren't dumb. You see what I'm saying? I mean, we categorize this and this and this and this. You know what we ought to do? We ought to embrace each other, love each other. And to say, you're my brother, you're my sister. Listen, I love you with all of my heart. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what kind of sin you came out of. Because guess what? I came out of my own sin. And so therefore, as, as we go through some of this, we have to realize that the church sometimes, sad to say, can be some of the, the biggest places where people take Cheap shots. Hurricane Harvey hits Texas. Immediately within one day, guess what church is being 
vehemently attacked. Joel Osteen's church. Now, I'm not saying you're a great Osteen fan or you're not, but this is the point. That church will do 10,000 times more good than the people who are attacking them. Just telling you. That church will do 10,000 times more good than the people who are attacking them. Maybe it took them a couple of days to get set up or, you know, generating their help or whatever. But folks, we're in this to help people. We're in this to bring people together. Ronnie was uh, visiting with me yesterday. We had a funeral yesterday. We had one the day before. We've had a very busy, busy week. And since Dow's gone, we're kind of doing Dow's work by committee. And uh, so we're all working together. We had a huge week. You know, we were at the park and we had funerals and we had the widow's dinner for our county and, and we have a dinner today. But anyway, Ronnie came to me and said, Pastor Mike, he said, do you know how many people that we're feeding this week? And I said, no, Ronnie, how many people are we feeding? He said, we're feeding 2,000 people this week. He said, we're going to feed 2,000 people this week. He said, thank God we got the church paid off because we're buying food now. <laughs> I said, well, good. That's great. <laughs> but what are we doing? We need to be a service and an outreach, the hands of Jesus, to our community. And we can do that. And we are doing that. We want you to partner with us. If you're a guest here today, hey, this is a good time to jump on the ship because we're going to go together to see good things happen in the name of the Lord. Amen? Because we should be doing this. And we have to refrain from some of the things that embroils us out here in the NFL, in college football, and even in the church. Let's keep our focus. Let's keep it laser sharp. Let's realize that we are working together for the cause of Christ. And we're working together hand in hand, no matter what our ethnicity is, what our educational background, what our economic background is. Listen, if you're named by the name of Jesus, you're my brother, you're my sister. And so this area of cheap shots will always cause you to be penalized, will always cause you to lose ground because the, the, the ultimate referee in the clouds is throwing his yellow flag up and saying, your backfield's in motion here and you are not doing what I want you to do. The wisest man outside of Jesus who wrote these words he says, we have to be very, very careful that we judge righteously. You never know what that person's been through or the challenge they're overcoming. At a conference, a missionary who had given their life for 40 years in Japan was speaking. And as that person spoke, there was a young person there in the audience when the missionary finished speaking said, well, that wasn't so powerful. And there was a person sitting close to that person who made that cheap shot, said, you need to zip it up because you have no idea what it's like to give your life 40 years on the mission field. 
you don't have a clue. I was watching the ball game yesterday in my pain. Let's figure out which one it was. It's both painful. And I told Carrie, I said, I got to quit watching. I, I can't watch this anymore. So I went outside and went to town, filled up the, the car, and Carrie went with me, and we got a little mini pizza. And I tried to medicate my pain. <laughs> but but th- this is something that I, that I do very often, is I'll watch the television, and I am the armchair quarterback. Is, is there any armchair quarterbacks here? Come on, you lie, you fry, come on. Is there anybody else that talks back to the television? Okay, now we got some honest people here. And I'm thinking, why don't they tackle? Why don't they hold on? Why can't they hold on to the ball? What happened to our defense? That's the dumbest play I've ever seen. Y'all are so holy. What am I doing? I'm giving some cheap shots, really. Because I really don't know what it's like to be hit by a 300-pound person running at full speed. Smaller people, yes. Not 300 pounds. And sometimes we tend to jump on board and we're guilty of the cheap shots. God help us not to do that. And I think that we, we can get better at that. And I can get better at that. I'll just leave you out of the loop. We can get better at that. And God wants us to get better at that because this, the Holy Spirit moved on Paul and he said, be careful, be careful. Listen, be careful. Be careful that no corrupt, putrid, rotten words come out of your mouth that's going to pull somebody down. But be very careful that you use words that will build people up and strengthen them. Because if you don't, you grieve the Holy Spirit by which you are sealed to the day of redemption. Listen, I've got my opinions. You've got yours. Sometimes we vocally express those. Sometimes we just need to zip it up. You say, Pastor, are you preaching this because we have a huge problem? Not at all. Don't want to have one. But this is just good preaching and I know it when I hear it. we got to watch it. Because the admonishment from Scripture is, let's not lump everybody up in the same basket. It's not fair. In your marriage, watch it. You'll cheap shot your mate. I've cheap shotted Carrie before. I'm confessing, okay. And, and she knows this. Because you can't be married 40-something years, probably. Some of you touched me after service, okay. You, you can't be married 40-something years without sometimes saying some things that you wish you hadn't said. And you want to grab them and, and pull them back, and I just stuff them right back in there, right? But it don't work that way, does it? So we wound people, we scar people. Sometimes it takes a long time to get over that. So the admonishment from Scripture is, be careful, let none of that come out of your mouth. Only that which edifies, builds people up, and makes them better. Don't cheap shot. Bow your head with me.
We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.